Peace Party people. Welcome back to episode 133 of Where My Killer Tape At. I'm going to tell you where I've been at. So stay tuned for that. Um, we're going to talk about the late, great Dr. Bell Hooks and her influence on several generations. I'm going to do a quick Eternal. It's not a quick. This is not the regular same old review on the Eternals movie. And we're going to also talk about gun violence and I bring back the health segment. Check it out. Okay, the question that y'all been asking is, where you been? First of all, I'm good. I wasn't sick. I didn't have COVID, none of that stuff. As you see, I was still producing, you know what I mean, episodes with the homies. Um, shout out to Zemo and Tikkun and also to Woke Day for, you know, saying, hey, we need to do an episode together. So I was doing a lot of, you noticed this year, I did a lot of guests. Um, and, and it's my fault I wasn't doing the individual episodes. So what had happened was... And it happened really quickly. In August, I got a new gig. And literally within a week, like, I applied, got a, got an interview, got another interview, got the job, like, in a matter of three days. Um, they gave me an offer I couldn't refuse. Um, and I, I literally had to give, like, a three-day notice. So I had to start, like, I had to start, like, Thursday. So I turned in my um, resignation papers on a Monday. And my last day was Wednesday. Started on Thursday and hit the ground running. So they had me working. Um, so your man's was working, but it was well worth it. I love it. So a lot of things fell off. So for example, not just my podcast, but also my training, because I had to get adjusted to my new schedule. I had to be at work earlier than usual. So that kind of really threw me off track. So I didn't really get my bearings until about really, really the end of November. Um, so now that I'm good. So what I plan on doing is I plan on giving you a couple more episodes in December and then take a take a break in January and start again in February. So um, I'm gonna definitely do that. Um, actually, I, I, I take that back. What I'm gonna do is I'm going to do at least two shows in the first week of January and take a break until February. So my bad for the mix up. So that's how it's gonna go. I apologize if you were waiting on me again. I still put out episodes with Woke Dave, my barber, um, and um, the homie Zemo. We did a couple of joints, so I didn't leave y'all out in the open like that. I just was doing like maybe one or two episodes per month. And I'm supposed to be giving y'all four episodes per month. So again, I apologize. We're going to get this back on track in 2022. Word. And thank y'all for still being here for me. Word is born. ideas for this episode together and i feel a little bit rusty doing this by the way um yo like that the bell hooks passed away man i was just you know 2021 you know 2020 and 2021 has been rough like a lot of transitions a lot of people passing like you know a kid can go from utfo passed away yesterday you know what i'm saying like wow like wow as of this recording by the way 
But Dr. Bell Hooks was the big one because um, she's someone that, you know, her writing really had a big influence on my life. And you've heard me talk about her book here before. If you go on my IG live, you, you heard me talk about and reference her book all the time. If, you, if you've been in a group with me in a circle, you know that I've used a lot of her stuff in those circles, in those groups. And really like, oh man, like, wow, like a giant, just literally a giant. So, and, and it's, it's wild because like a lot of stuff that I see people do now when it comes to black feminism and all of that stuff is because of her, whether you're, whether you're on Twitter uh, whether you're doing stuff on YouTube, it's really because of Dr. Bell Hooks. Like, wow. Like, and she educated generations of us through her writings. You know what I'm saying? Like, some of us are fortunate, not me, but some people were fortunate enough to have her as a professor. Because um, she did teach at Berea College. Um, and I know people that took her classes and I know people that she mentored. So, like, people that are dope and amazing. And they just, wow. Wow. Just wow. You know, and I hear people say things like, oh, I didn't always agree with her. Okay, what the fuck does that mean? Like, you're not always going to agree with somebody. You know what I mean? Even people that you love, you're not always going to agree with them. You know what I'm saying? And I'm going to just say this. I'm going to just say this, and I'll probably get in trouble for this. I remember when she said Beyonce was a terrorist, and I kind of felt around it um, for reasons that I, I'll probably discuss later on. You know what I mean? Um, I, I think she does more harm than good, but that's a different story. You know what I'm saying? Um, other than that, you know what I mean? Like, she was a, you know, and I know I'm going off on a tangent. Dr. Bell Hooks was a giant. And I'm just like, wow. Like, she's a fucking giant, man. And definitely, solely, this world is, is a, lot less better with her, a lot less better with her gone. Even though she birthed a lot of things, good, great things. You know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of people wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for them. To be honest, I wouldn't be dancer as Omi without her. I think I'd be a different, totally different person because her writing has that much of an impact on me. And her books are books that I've referenced consistently in everything I do, even on this podcast. As you, I know you guys are probably tired of hearing me talk about Dr. Bill Hooks. So I was hoping one day to, to, to meet her. I was hoping one day to have her look at the book that I'm currently writing. Like That was like in the back of my mind. Like, yo, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, uh, somebody asked me a question. They asked on IG Live. They was like, on IG, in Instagram, they were like, hey, what are some of the concepts that she taught that had a big influence on you. And the number one was when she coined the phrase, she didn't coin the phrase, but she was one of the people that used it consistently in her writing, which the phrase is um, white supremacist capitalist patriarchy. And you hear me talk about it a lot on the show and other people's show, right? Um, another thing she taught me, that book Salvation was just, oh man, it's so impactful. Um, it, it really taught me how to be a better parent because in that book, she talked about how, you know, spanking is really abuse. And I remember she reviewed, there was this movie that came out that was, that, you know, aesthetically was gorgeous. And I remember it hit all the art houses. And I remember we went to see it and we was just like, wow, this is fucking dope. And I remember she was like, this child is being abused. And that shit really made me look at abuse differently. And, 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 and actually, she's one of the first people that I heard say triggering in a review. Like, you know, this was dec about a decade ago. No, it was longer than that because we was, we was still living in Virginia. So it was longer than a decade. So, man, it's just, what what can I say? I don't, I don't think I can give her enough props. I think what I'll probably do is probably do another separate episode about the, Dr. Bell Hooks and her influence. Um, and I'll probably bring some sisters in it. But I do want to address one thing. And that one thing I do want to address is that I hear a lot of black men say that she didn't like black men. And I don't think that's true at all. She wrote a book. Um, she wrote two books, really, for black men. Um, 
The the first one was Will to Change, um, and it's specifically written for black men. And I and I use that for my um, emotional men's health group. And the other book that I that I love um, is We Real Cool that we used um, for a, a a book club decades ago, about a decade ago. I was yeah, about a decade ago we did it. We did a book club with it, and it was really dope. Uh, probably redo. I probably redo a book club with those books again and try to get men involved. I, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that. But um, she did not. Um, she always expressed her love for black men, and I think the problem with a lot of us is that. Uh, when sisters call us out on our bullshit, we take it as, oh, you hate all black men. And that, and that's not the case. Uh, you know, and at the same time, I look at it as some of the things that she talks about, she's not really talking about me personally, you know what I mean? But I do, there's some things I need to fix. So um, she definitely, that was that is definitely not true. And I'll fight anybody in the street for that. So this is dedicated to you, Dr. Bell Hooks. We love and we will miss you. Peace. So I wanted to do a review of the Eternals movie, and I know like Zemo gets on me about doing this shit late, but I know at this point everybody should have seen the joint, so I'm not going to give away too many spoilers in this joint. Um, I'm going to say this, I, I didn't like it, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, I never was a fan of the Eternals in the comic books, I love you Jack Kirby, but I think this one was a bad look, um, I never understood why he did it, um, I know that um, the homie, God, what's his name, yo? He got a he got this um uh, I'm gonna remember it. Anyway, he has a YouTube channel where he talks about comic books. And he has a podcast too called um um what's it is um it's not is it not about aliens, something like that. It's really good. It's about how he debunks all those um history channel ancient ancient aliens um TV shows. Like he debunks all that. So anyway, I can't remember the dude's name. But he talked about how when Jack Kirby did the Eternals, um um that dude stitching, he had the Chariot of the Gods. The guy that wrote Chariot of the Gods, that was like a big thing back then in the 70s. So um, he believes that Jack Kirby was influenced by that, and that's why he created the Eternals. Um, so, like, you know, when you look at, like, some of the iconography that they were using for that book, you can kind of see how it influenced Jack Kirby to do it. Anyway, was never really a big fan of Eternals. Never really liked them. I will say um, that John Romita Jr. run, is, which is available on Amazon, um prime why am i missing everything right i'm not even on anything right um they is is drawn by john ramita jr and neil gaiman neil gaiman wrote it um the eternal story that's a pretty dope story everything else is a snooze fest only only really eternal i like is thanos because thanos is actually an eternal we've talked about this on the show before so when they announced it i wasn't really too hype about it the only thing I was hyped about was the Celestials, because I do love the Celestials. In the comic book, they play a big... In the Marvel Comics universe, they play a big integral part of it. So I like that they brought them in, even though they were brought in in the Eternals. I mean, not the Eternals, the Guardians of the Galaxy. So I see what Marvel was trying to do, because I will say that out of all the MCU movies, stylistically and writing-wise, this, this movie is different, right? Because... What you have in the other MCU movies is you have the origin of the hero. You know, um, he's learning. He or she is learning their way. Uh, then they come in. You know, action sequences start. No, I know I'm messing it up. Action sequence in Act 1. Then they get into the storyline. Um, act 2, you get to learn all the supporting actors. And then the final Act 3 is a big, giant battle. That is a typical MCU 
um, um, story. Eternals wasn't like it. I will say this. Um, I see what they was trying to do, right? I see what they was trying to do. They were trying to ask three questions. Who am I, right? It was getting philosophical. Who am I? What is my purpose in the universe? And do I have freedom of choice, right? Because that's really what it is, right? Because the Eternals later on, later on realized that they were they were um, synthetic, just like just like the Vision. They're not really humans and stuff like that, right? So um, they, you know, they and they there's a twist where they find out that the purpose that they were told that they were created wasn't really the actual purpose, right? So that's where the um, you know, do I have freedom of choice? Do I continue to be this you know fleshly robot? Flesh robot, or do I make my own decisions, right? Because you technically don't have free will. Nobody has free will. We'll get into that some other time. But um, that's what the case they was trying to do. I think the MCU was trying to create this, you know, art house movie. You know what I mean? But it just didn't come off. Number one, the movie was too damn long. Shit was long. They could have cut off 30 minutes. Number two, it was just too many characters. See, the other, like, for example, like, look at the Avengers, right? You got all these characters in the Avengers. Or, for example, what happened in Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. You have all these characters in there and they all got their moment to shine. But you had previous movies that had, like, for example, you had a Doctor Strange movie. You had you had a um, Ant-Man movie, right? You had a um, Captain America movie, right? So you kind of got to know about these characters before they showed up. So they didn't have to really tell you about their backstory in it. Well, in this Eternal movie, they kind of do all of that for every character. And it takes forever. And in doing so... You kind of have to like cut parts out so you end up not caring about the characters. Like, I really don't care for the Eternals. Like, I didn't walk away saying to myself, you know what? I like this character. I would like to see this person in their own uh, Disney Plus story or in a different spinoff. Like, no, I walked away like I could care less. Um, I do like that you don't have to watch the other MCU movies to kind of like get what's going on. They do make references to Thanos in it. Um, but you could actually not watch any of the MC movies and you'll be good. That's probably the only good thing. The only two good things is Celestials and the fact that you don't have to watch 25 other movies and 10 Disney Plus shows to know what's going on. But quite honestly, um, I, w- I wouldn't even, you don't have to watch this. I will say that it's fucking gorgeous, right? Um, I kind of felt like it was like Dune. Dune was gorgeous. It was fucking gorgeous. So was the Eternals. It was Beautifully, the aesthetics were just gorgeous. The cinematography was just amazing. Fight scenes, on a scale of one through five for MCU battle scenes, I give it like a two. It, it just didn't do anything for me. Um, I really felt like I wasted my time and money to go see it. Um, at, you know, I will say that it is the most diverse cast of any MCU movie out there. Um, to be honest, it is the most diverse. They got anybody in this motherfucker, anybody, right? Um, one of the characters is deaf, right? So, like, you know, but other than that, you know, I could have just skipped it. So, I wasn't impressed. They could have done better. I would have, the way I would have done it was instead of, I would have done it either of two ways. Instead of having it go with, you know, have all these flashbacks, I would have just done it linear. You know, start at a particular point, maybe with a couple of flashbacks here and there, and then just go from point A to point Z, just like that. Or... I would have done an Eternals movie that introduces all the characters um, and then done a second Eternals movie with this story, right? Where they find out that they're not really who they are, right? But um, other than that, you could skip it. So that's my take on it. Work.
One more thing about the Eternals, and then I'm going to leave it alone. Okay. In the preview, they revealed that the reason why the Eternals didn't stop Thanos is because they were told by the Celestials that their job is to fight against the Deviants, right? Cool. Don't like it, but whatever, right? Anyway, um, it, it works, right? So anyway, in the movie, here's a, it's a spoiler. Y'all ready? It's a spoiler. If you ain't seen it, you might want to stop here. The plot twist is that um, they realize that the job of the Eternals was to help the human population increase or whatever planet that they're on, whatever planet they're on, their job is to, you know, which which means fighting the Deviants because the Deviants um, were, <sighs> okay, they had to fight the Deviants and they learned that originally the Deviants were created um, to do their job, right? But then the Deviants figured out what was going on and decided to kill off the population of whatever planet that they're on. Why is that? Because in each planet that the Eternals were sent to, or the Deviants, there was a celestial inside that planet that was growing, and it needed the energy of a of a, of a, a sentient population to to suck it all, and then one day it'll open up, come out of the planet like a baby, and in the process destroy that planet. Right? The Deviants figured it out, and they was like, "Fuck that, we're not doing that." So they started killing off populations. So then the Celestials were like, "Well." I guess we got to create Eternals, right, to go to each planet and kill off these Deviants so these populations can grow. So at the end, ultimately, the Celestials that's living inside that planet will grow, right? So if that is the case, right, and don't get me wrong, out of the Eternals that were on planet Earth, um, Icarus and, um, oh, I can't believe I forgot her name, the leader of the Eternals, played by Sama Hayek, right? Um, was it Yurik? I could be wrong. No, no, Yurik is a Celestial, right? But um, um, she knew, and so did Icarus knew. You know what I'm saying? So the rest of the crew did not know the true purpose of the Eternals. They didn't know that, what the true purpose of the Celestials were doing on planet Earth, or any other planet for that matter, right? So my thing is, okay, if Thanos is coming around, he's going to destroy, he's going to get rid of half of the population of the universe, which includes the Celestials, I'm assuming, Right? Wouldn't it be smart for the Celestials to tell um, Sama Hayek and Icarus, I know I keep saying Sama Hayek, to fight against um, Thanos because of that, right? It just it just makes sense, right? Okay, even if they didn't reveal to the other group what was going on, because they, they don't have to reveal it, they could just say, hey, because Sama Hayek's character is the only one that communicated with the Celestials, right? She could just say, yo, the Celestials told us to fight Thanos. That simple. That, sim that fucking simple, right? But... Even if they did, even if that wasn't revealed to Sama Hayek and Icarus, right? It would make sense if their job is to protect the human population, right? It was, that was their job to, to make sure that the human population flourished, right? It would just make sense for them to fight Thanos. It was just a dumb thing. It was a conundrum that just didn't make any fucking sense. And Kevin Feige's better than this, you know what I mean? So that that's the biggest issue that I have with it. <laughs> just learned that Draco, a rapper, I, I never, you know, really listened to him. I know a lot of my students do, that he was murdered. He was stabbed at a concert, this big concert over in LA. And um, I'm just like, wow, like, I noticed, you know, this year and last year, a lot of, a lot of rappers were murdered, a lot of young rappers too. Um, Man, like, what the fuck? And, 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 you know, like, I talked about this before, how during the pandemic in my, in my city, how gun violence just continued like there was no pandemic going on. 
Um, I know in my city, in the city next to me, where I have, I used to have a lot of students from that city, gun violence just continued. You know, it just, it didn't stop, you know, despite the pandemic. And, excuse me, people around the country have told me the same thing. They said, hey, you know, people are still getting murdered. Young, young black people are still getting murdered. And I'm just like, wow. And I know I've talked about this before. And it's, it's, it's wild. It's really, it's it, it, mind-blowing, but at the same time, I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm numb to a lot of that violence, you know, and I, and that has, I know the pandemic has kind of like, you know, more and more people are passing away. People, particularly people my age. I'm 48. A lot of people my age are dying of COVID. I had a colleague whose daughter just passed away. She's a couple years younger than me, and it's just, it's just wow. Like you know, like there's just so many transitions, so many people passing away. It is overwhelming. You know what I mean? And I'm and I'm. I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one that feels this way. Um, and I know like a lot of times in, in, as a mentor, uh, you know, as someone that does a lot of community work, people often ask me, what can we do about it? And, and, and quite honestly, you know, like, you know, I've talked to people about this, you know, for decades, you know, I know, I know personally, one thing I've learned is that um, I, I have a particular lane and in that lane, that's where I work. You know what I'm saying? So I work that lane. I, Outside of that stuff, I you know I might recommend someone to go to a different lane, but I, you know, um, how do you stop it? Like like like, and don't get me wrong, every city has an organization that their job is to stop gun violence. That's their job to prevent it, right? Every I'm being serious. I know people always talk about that, but there is every city. Some of them have two or three organizations, depending on where you at and how big your city is. That their job is. It's a grassroots organization. Their job is to prevent gun violence. You know what I mean? And a lot of them are made up of OGs that have connections to the street and their job is to, to you know, hey, when somebody somebody's going to kill somebody, they go pull up on them and be like, hey, man, don't do it. But, um, you know, what can we do? Like, what is it that we can do? And, 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 and you know, it's easy for me to be like, well, I'm just going to raise my babies, right? You know, but they can get it too. Anybody can get it. I'm from the hood. Anybody can get it, you know? And um, I don't know, sometimes I, I sound fatalistic um, about it. But I really sincerely believe that when I was younger, I thought to myself that as I got older, that I got if I got to be 48, 49 or 50 or whatever, that gun violence will eventually go away. I don't know. I, I'm naive about it. Maybe I was I was naive. Right. I was naive to think that I was wilding really to think that that shit will go away um, despite being around a lot of community people like I, I, I'm a community person and I fuck with a lot of community people. So that do a lot of great work in the community. But how do we do it? Like, how do we tackle it, right? I know people, you know, mentoring, right? And again, I come from a community of mentors. I was trained to be a mentor, right? Um, I, and I know people that take on mad mentees, you know what I'm saying? I only take out a handful here and there, you know? You know, and, and, and you know, as, as an educator, you know, you have students that they meet their demise through gun violence, right? But I don't know. I, I'm at a loss. Like, what are we doing? Like, what do we need to do? Like, and, and and you know what I'm saying? Like, I know it's, I'm rambling on and on, but it's something that, like, I don't know, man. I just don't know. We, we got to figure this shit out. Word. Yes. <laughs> so earlier, I talked about how I kind of fell off on my training. You know what I mean? So, like, between like 
September and well, first week of November, excuse me, I didn't train like because I was adjusting to the new job. And um, and this is the first time where in my life where like I missed training because not the first time I missed training and I like beat myself up for it. I remember a long time ago, I remember I was working for the post office and I was working six days a week, actually seven days a week because I had another job. And I remember I used to be too exhausted to train. So like for a whole year, I didn't train Capoeira. And I beat myself up for it for years after that because I felt like the gains that I made, I lost. And I kind of like had to start over while everybody else was going past me. You know what I mean? And I really beat myself up for that. Um, and, and, and for several years, I would talk about that. And then like make it, even though people was like, yo, you're good. I would always say, oh, but for one year, I didn't train, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it didn't happen this time. And let me just say this, it's not an easy thing to do when you're on a particular mission. Um, when you're, you know, when you have a, when you have a fitness goal and, and you fall off and you don't meet that fitness goal, we tend, we tend to beat ourselves up a lot. And for this health segment, I wanted to talk about that, right? I wanted to talk about how, okay, for two and a half months, I didn't train, but I'm going to be all right. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm going to be all right. It's okay. Like, it's okay. I'm not technically starting over. I paused. You know what I'm saying? Things happen. Life happens. There were other things that I didn't do as well, and I didn't beat myself up for that. So I, my message to you all that if you're on this mission, if you have a fitness goal, and then you fall off, um, I know it's like, dag, I did all this work, and now it's like unraveling. It's not. It's not. It's not. You'll be able to get back into it. Um, just use the same process you started off with, the same energy. You know, um, it happens. Life happens. You know, life, what they say, life is lifing, right? Um, things are going to happen. You're going to have, you know, a job change. You're going to have, you're going to school, going back to school, another child, a marriage, a new relationship, uh, uh, moving to a different city. There's another, a whole bunch of things, you know, a, a relative, a sick relative moves in with you. There's so many things that happen that, that cause you to quote unquote fall off. And it's not even falling off. It's just change. And, and if there's anything in life that's inevitable that we know, it is change. So don't beat yourself up for it. Um, it happens. You get back in the groove of things. It's okay. You know what I'm saying? You might have to, re you know, change your time. You know, you know, um, your time management might have to adjust. But you're still here, right? And we're going to work it out. So don't beat yourself up too much for that. Word. Um, got to shout out the homie Zemo, Divine Power, who's going to be releasing a, a, a new joint real soon. We got that in the work. He got that in the work. Like, like we, like I'm doing that shit. Shout out to him, man, because he got on me about these anniversaries for these albums. He was like, yo, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. So shout out to him for keeping me on my square. Uh, I love you, brother. Um, shout out to um, Woke Dave, my barber, who he was like, yo, he wanted to do a podcast. So I was like, yo, come on my podcast. So he was showing up weekly for a minute. He was showing up weekly. Uh, we haven't done it in a while. We're going to start that back up. Uh, we're going to do one more for this year. Um, but shout out to him because he really put the battery in my back. We had some really great discussions. If, if I were y'all, I would go back and listen to them. And shout out to our boy Chikum of Atlanta. Uh, we're going to go down there and train, and we're going to play Capoeira. Um, hopefully, I could do it sometime in February. Um, I, I just got to get my I just got to get my squad up. My squad got to get good. So, and I actually, I take that back, I'm going to do it in March because my, my singing got to get tight as well. I haven't been singing Capoeira, but I'm going to be there. But shout out to you, brother, who always keeps me 
He always keeps the battery in my back and he always puts me on for panel discussions and shit like that. Really dope brother. Um, he actually reunited me with another homie that I haven't talked to in a while. So I owe you one for that one, man. So definitely, um, shout out to the big homie DJ Ike B who had heart surgery. Uh, been recovering for four months. He's out. He's going to be back to start DJing again next week at the Bauhaus. I'm going to be there for that. Love you, brother. I'm glad that you were right. I'm glad that you made it through. Word is born. So until next week, all right? There you have it. Another episode of Where My Killer Tape At. Um, if you want to book your mans for a workshop, whether it's capoeira, breaking, or you want me to talk about hip-hop culture, or being a black male feminist, um, hit me up on the website, omisbench.com, and bench is spelled B-E-N-C-H.com. If you just want to hit me up on the Twitters, you know where I'm at, um, at DanTresomi, D-A-N-T-R-E-S-O-M-I. And the official Twitter for the show is Omis Podcast, that's O-M-I-S Podcast. Right. Um, you know, and if you want to continue the discussion, use the hashtag where my killer tape at killer spelled K-I-L-L-A. Yo, do me a solid, man. Support the show. You can subscribe, you know what I mean, for 99 cents a month, man. You could do that. Or if you, you know, if you big money, you could do five dollars a month. The link will be in the show notes. Or if you want to buy a present or you a coffee snob like myself, you could always buy a coffee mug, man. I'm trying to reach 100 mugs sold for the year 2021. I'm only at four. So please help a brother out. Word.